Hey, can you do me a favor? Turn that light bulb on. There we go. That's perfect. Let's wake these people up. Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to Food for Thought, where we inspire you to think and feed you knowledge that can be applied to your everyday life. I'm your host, Juan Cruz, and here today with me, we have, you guys can introduce yourselves. My name is Bobby Lynch, and I am the founder of Plant Train Performance, the plant-based fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle company. I am also the author of uh, the new book, The Winner's Manual, Take Control of Your Life, and I am a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach. I have been plant-based for the last two years now, fully vegan for the last year and a half, and uh, yeah, I feel amazing, and we'll, we'll talk more. Nice. And? And I'm Marcus Everett. Um, I'm co-founder of Plant Chain Performance, a longtime friend of Bobby Lynch, um, also operational manager of Plant Chain Performance Foods. Um, my plant-based journey has kind of just begun. Um, roughly three, four months ago, I officially went pescatarian, so it's uh, been a process, but I've been enjoying, enjoying every step along the way. So Nice. All right. So... Let's get this kickstarted because I'm curious, you know, the reason why we had gotten you on this podcast and I wanted you on here was because we had a very interesting conversation in regards to um, the existence of God. You know what I mean? And you, you, you handled yourself very well. So this is why when Marcus told me about the whole vegan, I was like, oh, this is so interesting. I, I, I like I like the concept of veganism. Is that how you would? Yeah, veganism, yep. So I I like it, but I don't know enough about it. And I told him, I was like, I would never do it fully. Because for me to give up meat, I'd probably give it a shot, you know, where I could uh, try it for a little bit and more or less see what the outcome is. Because I I do love trying new things. But I did tell him, um, I'm like, oh, yeah, if you would want to get on the podcast. I was like, I'd actually, I'm, I'm looking for somebody with health, but an interesting form of health, you know, something different that's not your typical thing. And I know vegan uh, veganism has become big, really, in the last few years. So uh, then he told me, he was like, oh, it was actually this guy. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? I'm like, him? I was like, as soon as he said that, I was I was contemplating whether I even wanted to do it or not. But as soon as he said your name, I was like, he handled he handled him you you handled yourself so well that day um a lot of the times when i speak with people in regards to um anything that comes to a philosophical way of thinking uh life um they they can't handle themselves very well and they get i think a little bit intimidated and then in turn what happens is they just start making things that fit their concept and it just it's it's not a great conversation but you handle yourself very well so I, I told him i was like i really really want him on here i was like i, I would love to, to do it with him and because if you know that much or, or were able to handle yourself so well in that conversation then when it comes to vegan like you're gonna know your stuff rock solid yeah i i, I appreciate that and and actually kind of where that comes from is well a lot of what we talked about during that conversation uh well part of what we talked about was my dad and uh and his passing it's been over four years uh now since he passed and he died of an invasive gastrointestinal disease and and just surrounding that conversation in particular speaking on god and the existence if god exists if 
if God doesn't. I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I can't really say whether he exists or not. I, um, but I, so I would, I would say I'm definitely very agnostic. But, but speaking on, on that in particular, and, and just how I handled myself, I attest that to my dad. Um, and but really, I mean, really both of my parents. But just how I was raised and uh, the things that my dad instilled in me were to just be a good person, to work hard and to uh, always do what's morally right and just how he carried himself professionally and growing up and watching him that's kind of where that comes from so you know I, I really do appreciate you saying that uh, but I just give that credit to him and to my parents it's because that it's uh, it's it's how they've raised me but then also at the same time speaking on veganism I kind of see that side uh, as well when I speak to people uh, about veganism because it is a very sensitive topic and food is so ingrained within our culture and when you start bringing up what the food actually is and where it comes from it's things that we've been for all of our lives pretty much up until recently been kept in the dark about what meat actually is and to put it bluntly meat is dead flesh from what was once a beautiful living creature that had thoughts that had feelings that had a family and had the desire to live just like you i or you know marcus and they didn't willingly walk onto the slaughterhouse floor and say hey you know what i'm ready to die today because you like the taste of my dead body i was you know they were just born and they were living this life of suffering that they did not choose it was imposed upon them and that topic is really hard to discuss because it's it's a lot it's a lot to take in and i definitely do understand coming from like what you were saying with with talking just in terms of talking about god how a lot of people don't know what to say and how they react because it's just it's a lot it's a lot and that's why i always like to come from a place of empathy and understanding for everybody and that and that's one of the reasons that why i went vegan is because i'm so, so empathetic and i'm so connected to the animals and really put myself in their place and imagine what would i be doing how would i be feeling if i were that animal and but the same thing goes is i'm when i approach the topic of veganism with people i'm very empathetic as well because i was not vegan i wasn't raised vegan for the first 23 years of my life i ate meat and animal products and just like you said i could probably give up meat for a little bit but i don't think i could ever go fully vegan if you had asked me like three to four years ago could i ever imagine being vegan i would have said not a chance not a chance because of the conditioning that i was you know just the life of conditioning of of knowing this is the only way of you need meat and animal protein to be healthy you need it to build muscle uh and this is just a part of a of a healthy diet and then on top of that just not under not being connected to like i was saying what the meat was because for all of my life all i knew was what's on my plate is that's it you know it was chicken it was turkey it was steak it was 
ham and even though I knew that that meat came from a chicken or a turkey or a cow or a pig I never really fully connected with that was once a beautiful sentient creature that had thoughts had feelings had a family and had the desire to live like are you like you or I and uh, and then once I fully connected with that that's what led me what led me to veganism um, but again I, I really do try to empathize with everybody because I was in that place where I wasn't fully connected not not long ago and most people aren't fully connected because the animal agriculture industry is a 200 billion dollar per year industry they spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year lobbying con congress they spend you know another hundreds hundreds of million dollars a year on commodity checkoff programs like got milk and beef it's what for what's for dinner or you know men eat meat real man eat real men eat meat you'll see those ads with like burger king and and uh and uh just just different other other meat products and 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 really kind of associating with uh with that it's it's a lot of it's a lot of popular propaganda right and if you think not even that long ago there was there was uh ads that were saying smoking is healthy right this is back in the early 1900s i, know, I was just talking about that with somebody and i was like just a little bit ago we were all just sitting around and smoking cigarettes like you'd be right here and it's like this is the smoking section right and then you turn right over here and it's like this is the non-smoking section right and i'm like geez like how, how do you how do you uh we, we we can never tell what exactly is good and bad until like years and years and years of study but it's it's interesting that you say that you know all the money that gets pumped into all this stuff and, and i i say it all the time too I say you don't choose to do what you do or wear what you wear all the time because you chose it. I mean, I, I spoke about this with Fernando and Leslie on one of the podcasts. You know, you wear the clothes, and and the reason if you if nobody wore Nike, and everybody would you wore, be wearing Nike? Yeah, if everybody wears Walmart brand to fit in with everybody to be one of the popular kids. What you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to buy the Walmart brand, and you're not going to. So it's funny that you say that. Um, because that is true. I do believe that the reason why a lot of people are pumped meat into their, you know, uh, into their uh, daily uh, diet diet is is because of that. You know, they feel like I need to eat meat. I need to eat meat, and because it's it's part of my diet. It it's what they've grown up. That's what they've that's what they've known their whole life is meat, right? Like in America, at least, meat, potato, vegetable pretty standard meal that's that's exactly what i grew up on i mean as a family we went through so much meat in a, in a week uh not to mention the eggs and the milk we went through and just my mom dad brother and i went through a gallon of milk a day my Holy if i if i were to tell you my my diet while playing um football in college an average day of eating for me was i'd wake up i'd have probably about a cup of egg whites and four to five eggs um, if I added cheese to those eggs, I'd do only like three eggs just to kind of balance out the fats. And then for a, a mid-morning snack, I'd have yogurt and granola. For lunch, I'd have usually a grilled chicken wrap uh, with a salad, 
uh, for an afternoon snack, it'd be turkey jerky. After lift or practice, it would be yeah, two scoops of whey protein, uh, of protein shake, and then dinner at night would be more chicken or steak or turkey, ham, whatever they had in the dining hall um, with potato, vegetable, and then dessert, if I was feeling hungry, it would be more animal products with dairy ice cream or you know cookies or sweets i have a sweet tooth so and that was actually like the the last thing for me to give up after i had went plant-based and i gave up meat and i was still vegetarian was the baked goods that were made with butter elk uh, butter milk eggs um, but that was a typical day of eating for me in college not that long ago uh, I mean, I'm a 25 now, so I graduated in 2016, and that's how I was eating. And it was November of 2017 that I gave up meat after seeing the documentary What the Health, and then it was just uh, a continued progression of. Now, wait, wait. Did you start this? Did you start this with the intention that you were going to do this for the rest of, or was it like, let's try this, let's see how it goes, and then it just built up to this? That's a great question. Yeah, so um, it was actually, it's it funny, so the the girl that I, um, my ex-girlfriend, we dated for about two and a half years, and she was always vegetarian. She had been vegetarian for pretty most of her life. She had given up meat just because she didn't like it, but she wasn't fully connected with everything. She was still, she was pescatarian pretty much. We'd still eat fish, um, you know, she'd still eat eggs, and dairy and and whenever we would go out to restaurants um we would always eat vegetarian meals and if i wanted to get meat i'd get like grilled chicken on the side or something and then and then it was i i'd slowly started cutting back my meat consumption because i started following different uh influencers on instagram um one of whom nimai delgado he's he was actually in the new documentary on netflix called the game changers and he's a he's a vegan bodybuilder he was raised vegetarian and he's been vegan for i believe the last six years now uh maybe maybe less i don't quote me on how long he's been vegan but i know that he was raised vegetarian and i started seeing that i'm just like wow okay he can build muscle and he's never eaten meat and then i started seeing other i started following other uh, vegan activists like Earth, Earthling Ed, James Aspie, who were really showing the dark side of the animal agriculture industry, which is it really just the truth of what actually goes on, just the stuff that we don't see. Um, you know, we always see the ads of the cows and the, the animals are all happy. They're not grazing on, uh, you know, big open fields of green luscious green grass and 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 vibrant blue skies right that's what we see but the reality of it is is it's not that and so when i started seeing this stuff i was like wow like this is this is uh this is crazy that i'm contributing to this and so it, it was hard and i and when i slowly started giving up meat i remember like being at the store and kind of purchasing meat and starting to have a moral conflict with myself because one thing as i was saying earlier my dad always taught me to do what is morally and ethically right but like myself he wasn't connected to the animals even though i've always considered myself an animal lover and my dad the same my um we were just never connected to what we were eating uh, as most people aren't and then when i really started like actually seeing what was happening i started to make those connections 
and I slowly started cutting back my meat consumption. And then I remember I was up in, uh, we were up in Vermont. I was still with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And we were at this, we were at this corn maze. They had this little petting zoo, um, in this petting area. And they had a couple farm animals there. And they had this little baby calf. And I remember the calf was just sitting down right next to the fence. And I sat there next to it, petting it. And I was, and I was looking at right in, in in its eyes and I felt like I was connected to its soul and I just remember thinking to myself how could I how could I ever eat you how could I you're such a it's such a, such a beautiful creature and that's that like from that point on I stopped eating red meat and then it wasn't that long after that I saw what the health and I was like you know what I'm never I'm never eating meat again. But I was still kind of under that whole spell, that whole bro spell of you need animal protein to build muscle. I mean, I grew up an athlete. I played football my whole life, started playing when I was seven years old, all the way through my final year in college. So 16 years of tackle football on top of baseball and basketball, all the way through high school. I still snowboard. I play paintball. I still play flag football. I like like get weight training became serious for me when I was 14 after my freshman year of, of high school football so I've always been an athlete and just that conditioning of needing animal protein to build muscle it was still hard for me to break and so I was like okay you know what I can go without meat I'll still eat eggs and egg whites and I'll still do everything else and I was still kind of pescatarian so I, I would eat fish if I went out to a restaurant and I wanted it and then it was just I can I kept following these people on social media, these influencers, and then I kept continuing my education and reading and watching documentaries. And I realized, you know, I don't need meat and animal protein to be healthy. I'm actually feeling better without it. My endurance is crazy. My recovery is crazy. I mean, I I train often and intensely. I'm I'm resistance training four days a week, sometimes five days a week, um, on top of running my business full time. And I just took on a second job to continue funding my business. And I, I mean, I'm just so full of energy and I recover so quickly from my workouts. And I'm, I mean, my strength is just continuously going up. Now, now what, what are the, what exactly is the benefits of you or, uh, let, let's talk about the cons. What are the cons of you eating meat, like as if for for health health reasons? Right. Yeah. So the, so a lot of the research is is still very new. But like I guess for example, if we'll start on um, on a larger scale. So if we look at population studies, right, and if you look at the longest lived cultures in the world, uh, Dan Boutonier, he's the author of the the Blue Zones and the Blue Zones Blue Zone Solutions. He calls the longest lived cultures in the world. Uh, the Blue Zones, and one of them is uh, actually in in the U.S., Loma Linda, California, um, and these Blue Zones are they all share the same characteristics. The diets of the people in the Blue Zones are sixty to eighty percent carbohydrates, very minimal animal protein. Um, like for example, the Okinawans, Okinawa, Japan is is one of the Blue Zones. The Okinawans from Japan their diet consists of 80% carbohydrates. They eat meat very minimally, uh, once to twice a month, 
and it's on very special occasions and the serving size is three to four ounces right where in america the serving size of of people people are eating meat or some sort of meat or animal protein three times a day it was like in 2018 the average american consumed 10 ounces of meat per day per day and me like as i was taught as i described my college football diet i was probably eating two pounds of meat a day if i really were to think about it i mean i would i lived on grilled chicken and it's just crazy because then when i look at my health numbers my cholesterol was close to 200 it was about 178 this was i got it measured in 2014 i didn't have any other my biomarkers measured at that time I had my cholesterol and my HDLs, the good cholesterol, LDLs, bad cholesterol, and my triglyceride levels um, measured in two, September of 2018. Wait, wait, wait. so the, the first two are your more typical ones that you said, but what was the third one you said? What is that exactly? Triglycerides, so that's the fat in your, in your blood. So that's the, the circulating fat in your blood. Um, and I had all of those numbers measured September of 2018, a month after being fully vegan. I went fully vegan August of 2018, and uh, uh, close to a year at that point. I was November of 2017 that I gave up meat. My cholesterol, overall cholesterol, went from 178, the last time I had it measured in 2014, 137. My HDLs, which is the good cholesterol, they were 61. Um, my triglycerides, my LDLs, which is the bad cholesterol, and you have to you want to keep under um, you want to keep it under 150, I believe, was only 61 as well. And and so like everything, and then my triglycerides were only was 63. So like everything was super super low. Nothing had changed other than my diet. My activity my activity level was still the same, um, and that like that was it. It was just I stopped eating meat and animal protein. Meat and animal protein, they are, uh, it's very high in cholesterol and saturated fat. And kind of back to the population studies that I was talking about, if you look at the longest lived cultures in the world, the Okinawans from Japan, they have the most centennial women, the most lit women to have lived into their 100s. And they eat 80% carbohydrates. But in America, all you hear is carbs are evil, they're what make you fat, um, you know, avoid carbs, you need meat, you need animal protein, like, like everyone, if you want to lose weight, let's go keto. Uh, keto is, is, what people don't realize is that ketosis is a starvation mode. And our bodies go into ketosis when we don't have any carbohydrates, when we don't have any stored glucose. Glucose, carbohydrates, are our body's main source of fuel. Every cell in our body utilizes glucose for energy. Our brains alone as adults, a health, the average healthy adult brain needs about 130 grams of glucose per day to just to function properly. And when you go into ketosis, it means you don't have any glucose stored in your body. We have such a large storage capacity for carbohydrates. So carbohydrates, glucose is what carbohydrates break down into. And then glucose stores in our body as what's called glycogen. So you pretty much to break that down, I know it's kind of, might be hard to envision, but just think carbohydrates, you eat them, they break down into glucose, that glucose stores in our body as glycogen, right? A healthy adult can store between 300 to 600 grams of glycogen in their muscles alone at one time, and another 80 to 100 grams in their liver. So. For example, say if you have a storage capacity of 500 grams of glycogen, 
right? That's how much your body can store. Before any carbohydrates that you ingest turn to fat, your glycogen stores have to be completely saturated, completely saturated. 500 grams of glycogen is 2,000 calories worth of carbohydrates because there are four calories per every gram of carbohydrate. So again, everyone thinks, oh, the carbs are what are making you fat. Oh, I, I'm eating too, I've been eating too much pasta and bread lately. No, really what causes fat gain is overeating. It comes down to simply calories in versus calories burned. But when you overeat, what is likely to store on your body as fat is the dietary fat you intake. Why? Although the metabolic pathway exists for glucose to store as fat, it's energy inefficient, meaning your body has to burn calories to store those calories, right? Because really what stored fat is, is just excess calories. Calories are energy, right? It's excess energy that you've consumed that your body didn't need, so it's going to store it for use at a later time. So think of it like if you want to save if you want to save money, you have two ATMs to choose from. If, you, if your body wants to store 100 calories as, as fat, right? So ATM number one is the, is the carb ATM. That charges a $30 fee because the energy cost for storing carbs as fat is 30%, meaning if you want to store 100 calories of carbohydrates as fat, your body is going to burn 30 just to convert that glucose into a triglyceride to store on your body as a fat. The energy cost to, to store dietary fat as fat is only five. So, th so again, going back to the ATM example, if you have $100 that you want to deposit into your savings account, ATM number one, the carb ATM, charges you $30, or ATM number two, the fat ATM, charges you $5, which are you going to choose? Yeah, the one that charges you less. Right, $5, yeah. because your net savings is going to be 95 our bodies are going to do the same. Our bodies are very efficient. We're, we are designed to adapt. We are des designed to operate at our optimal efficiency. And so that's exactly what your body is going to do. So when you overeat calories, right, again, it, what leads to weight gain is overeating. Not one particular macronutrient, but what is likely to store on your body as fat is the dietary fat that you intake. So if you eat 2,000 calories, and that's your maintenance level, so just kind of a standard number, it's 2,000 calories. If you eat 2,500 calories every day consistently for a week, you're going to gain one pound. Uh, one pound is 3,500 calories. 3,500 divided by seven is 500. 500 calorie surplus over the course of seven days is 3,500 calories, which is one pound of weight gain, right? And so what the likelihood, so what's likely to be storing on your body as fat from the, that excess 500 calories is your dietary fat that you intake. Because our bodies, as I said, every cell in our body utilizes that glucose for energy. So when you're overeating calories, what ends up happening is your body increases the oxidization or the burning of carbohydrates because that's its main source of fuel and that's what it wants to burn. And then it decreases the oxidization of dietary fat. And so, it, because it's, it's easy, it's the conversion, it comes in as a triglyceride, your body doesn't have to do anything, it just has to store it. And it only costs five calories to do so. So it's going to do that because it wants to operate at its, at its most efficient state. And so kind of back to your question, I know we kind of 
You know, that, that was actually good. Like, I'm listening to that. I'm like, damn, I never knew all that. Like, you honestly, you, you had me thinking about one thing right now. You know how we were talking about, um, this is a little bit getting on the conspiracy theory side, but mm-hmm. I was like, keto. So, I, I like trying different things. I About a year and a half ago to two years ago, um, I weighed like 275. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been like losing weight, like gra- like slow, slow increments, right. like you know, and just not to do it at a massive rate where it's like I'm starving myself to death. No, so no, I'm just no, been no, trying like little things. Good. And um, I, the keto diet was one that I tried. I didn't like how you did feel like you were in starvation. Yeah. Because that's what ketosis is. It's starvation mode. Yeah. Like, and, and we did it and there's, there's, I'll tell you this, keto, keto diets taste great. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But that. Because fat, fat is very, it's yeah. very, it has a lot of flavor. Yeah. That's, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it and I'm like, damn, it was good. You know, we were doing the, um, my wife was doing, um, eggplants, um, uh, zucchinis with like lasagna style but with no uh pasta mm-hmm. um <clears throat> we we're doing everything you know just cutting out pretty much all carbs all natural and it, it was nice but it that feeling that i had that like it was like i felt like i would get hungrier quicker mm-hmm. you know and it was nice because i did lose a lot of weight and i'm not gonna lie the the cholesterol levels did also drop mm-hmm. but that starvation feeling I did not like at all. Right. And I also didn't, uh, when I got off of the keto diet, because, you know, each time that you get into a new diet, you, you more or less start a new mindset. Right. And I didn't like how in that mindset, I felt like I could eat what I wanted to eat. Right. And then when you get off of that, you're still in the mindset, I can eat what I want to eat and as much as I want to eat. Right. And that's what I think a lot of people also like about the keto diet is that in some way, shape or form, you can kind of eat more and you're not as you know uh you your your body goes into that fat burn mode and you still kind of burn that fat so you're like ah i can eat a little bit more while you're on other diets you have to restrain yourself and have discipline and i noticed that when i would do this when i would do like uh let's say like yoga Mm -hmm. you know or not yoga because i don't really do yoga i do like stretching right right right. yep but i would do the stretching and i noticed that since i had gotten myself so full I couldn't stretch as well too so i'm like damn like you, from, I would, from ketosis fr- from, from the, the keto, keto diet, diet when after you're done eating right because you eat let's say you eat uh a lot, a lot of vegetables yeah let's, let's say you eat uh like what i had said like we do the zucchinis like replacing the pasta and then so i would eat probably two to three slices of a lasagna right and i was full but then right. when i'd go to work out you have like that groggy feeling um, but I will say this: I, I did feel feel energized, but I didn't like that starvation feeling that I right. did get. But it's funny that you break all that down because now I'm I'm, a, I'm getting into all this and I'm thinking, damn, could it be like all these uh, companies? Because now now that you broke down all the science to it, you broke it down very well. You broke down all the science to it. I'm like, ketosis really isn't the greatest thing to be doing. Just period. So I'm like, could all these meat companies have been pushing it? Because in order for you to be in a keto diet, you have to be eating massive amounts of meat. So I'm like, could uh, yes, it be of that? course you can. You can. You can do keto vegan. Yeah, yeah, you, it's, you, you it's can. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's possible though. But that's hard. 
but it's real hard because you're cutting out a lot of carbs and you don't know how much carbs they're in because when i do i like to do things right so when we did it i looked up all the information there is carbs in absolutely everything it's damn near impossible to stay away from so the best ways to do them is to do with meats right it kind of forces you to do meat because meat is devoid of carbohydrates yes but it's it's high in it's high in saturated fat and and cholesterol yeah and it's 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 crazy when you when you think about that and and another thing people don't really uh realize about ketosis is that a lot of that initial weight loss right you you go keto and you're like oh wow look at this i lost 10 pounds a week right you lose weight fast why is that right yes you're losing weight fast but is it necessarily fat because to burn one pound of fat you have to eat at a deficit of 3500 calories again one pound equals 3500 calories meaning so it, so for you to burn okay okay one right. pound you need to have so you 3500 calories burned right so for example right so for example say your your caloric maintenance is 2500 calories right so every day if you eat 2500 calories you will stay the same exact weight which means if you want to burn one pound of fat per week you need to eat 2000 calories on average every day 3,500 divided by 7 is 500. 2,500 minus 500 is 2,000, right? So on average, every single day, to burn one pound of fat, you need to eat 2,000 calories, right? When you go go keto, which means if you, you, kind of using the 10-pound example, if you lose 10 pounds in a week, that means if you actually lost 10 pounds of fat, in one week, that means you ate at a deficit of 35,000 calories in that week. 3,500 times 10. 35,000 calories if you burned 10, found, 10 pounds of fat a week. Right? Yeah, Are you? Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's not, it's, it's like almost physically impossible yeah, to yeah. do. How can, you, how can you do that though? Like there's some nights where I will weigh myself at night before going to bed and be one weight, wake up the next morning and be five pounds lighter. Yeah, yep. How is that possible, right? So with every gram of glycogen that your body stores, that remember that the glycogen is stored glucose. Carbohydrates come in as glucose, they store as glycogen in your muscles and your liver. For every gram that your body stores, it also stores three to four grams of water. So mean, so kind of using that 500 grams example again, if you have 500 grams of glycogen stored at your body at this current moment in time, number one, that's 2,000 calories worth of carbohydrates, and number two, that's 1,500 to 2,000 grams of water, just water, which is 3.3 to 4.4 pounds of water, not to mention the one pound of glycogen, of 500 grams of glycogen. So that's five pounds right there, essentially, of weight that's not fat. That makes sense. Right? So when you have a night where you, you right, and that doesn't, and that also doesn't include the food that you've eaten, one pound is 16 ounces, right? I mean, a typical meal for myself, I eat, a, I, I eat, I eat a lot, right? So I'll have like 12 ounces of a potato, I'll have eight to 10 ounces of like any one of the meat. Um, meat substitutes that I eat. We're actually about to launch to market our own meat substitute uh, called Chicken Bites. And I'll eat about eight to 10 ounces of that. So if we're looking at eight ounces, right, 
12 ounces of potato, eight ounces, that's 20 ounces right there. And then I'll at least eat another eight ounces of vegetables. So now we're looking at 28 ounces and then maybe another three to four ounces of, of something else, like including the dressing and avocado. So that's like 32 ounces worth of a meal right there. One meal that I'll consume myself, that's two pounds. Right, so then we got two pounds of food, a pound of glycogen, right, we're at three, and then four pounds of water, that's seven pounds right there. So how can I, how can I go to, I weigh one weight at night before going to bed and wake up five pounds lighter the next morning? It's because my body digested all the food and it depleted itself of the glycogen because your body burns glycogen, it burns it through its glycogen stores while you're sleeping. And it, that's where the weight goes, right? And so then when you go keto, you deplete your glycogen stores, so that's that's a pound right there of just the glycogen. You and because that three to four grams of water is all stored, that's another three to four pounds, right? So there's five pounds just like that. You deplete your glycogen stores, so you're you're dropping five pounds just like that. Um, and then on top of that, because like it really again, what, what comes down to weight loss, it's not one particular macronutrient. It's overall calories in versus calories burned. Now, what's going to lead to lasting results is taking a sustainable approach, which is why you've gone from 275 to whatever your current weight is now. Yeah, right now I'm like at 210. That's awesome. Look at that, 65 pounds. How are you doing that? Because you've taken a sustainable approach. It's about doing, it's about creating a lifestyle. It's not about going on one of these fad diets because all the fad diets do is lead to just like the, the quicker the quicker the fix, the faster the relapse is what I like to say. Because what happens is you go full in, all you, you adopt this all or nothing mindset, which is not sustainable, right? And if you're really trying to make an actual lasting impact on your life and on your health, it's going to come down to sustainability. What is the most sustainable approach that I can take to lose the weight and then keep it off, right? So how do you do that? One, you take an sustainable approach, and two, you adopt, you, you try to learn as much as you can, right? Why things are working, how they're working. Because if you're not armed with that information, if you're not equipped with that information, you just will never understand why anything is working the way it, it's working. You'll just know that, okay, if I do this, if I follow this keto diet, I lose weight. But then as soon as I stop, I gain all this weight back. Why are you gaining this weight back? Because ultimately you're just consuming more calories overall. What led to the decrease in weight is a caloric deficit. What leads to an increase in weight is a caloric surplus. Of course, if you take carbohydrates out of your diet and you eat everything else the same, you're taking away a large source of energy. So you're going to lose weight. But if you do the same thing, if you just take out fat from your diet or if you just take out a little bit of everything, like you're going to lose weight. And so ultimately, the approach is what's most sustainable and it's it's about balance because even though i said that yes what's likely to store in your body as fat is your dietary fat that doesn't mean fat is bad and you shouldn't consume fat because you need you need fat it's very important for your hormones and for your body to regulate a lot of its normal everyday bodily functions but it's just not over consuming everything in total that's really what it comes down to yeah yeah um, and so the, and just kind of like um, speaking on the question that you had asked me earlier, which was what, what are the negative health effects of meat and animal protein? Um, 
So using the population study, because that's a lot of what's like been done, like long-term population studies, the China study, which is like 20 years. Yeah, it's, it's more hard-cold facts. Yeah. Right, right. And we're, we're, we're literally looking at like like looking at long studies over, over uh, that have been conducted over many, many years um, that of uh, and following hundreds of thousands of people, the, the, the China study, the, the uh, nurses, nurses health study, the follow-up study, um, looking at all of these different studies and then looking at just the populations themselves when you look at the okinawans from japan or the longest of cultures in the world that are eating 60 to 60 80 percent carbohydrates and minimal animal protein and then when you look at america we have some of the highest rates of cancer diabetes heart disease and obesity and some of the lowest longevity of any developed nation and yet our healthcare industry in in 2017 alone spent 3.5 trillion dollars that's how much our healthcare industry generated in, re- in revenue 3.5 trillion dollars in 2017 alone united states in 2018 the gdp the gross domestic product the sum of all money made in every industry in the country of france the fifth richest country in the world was only 2.62 trillion Meaning our healthcare industry generated more revenue in one year, over almost a trillion dollars more revenue than the fifth richest country in the world. Damn. Right? Does that does that make sense? And then when you start to look like d- dig deeper, you see all these studies that are done saying, oh, all this meat, this animal protein, eggs. Oh, eat you know, eat more eggs a day. You'll you'll you know have more energy. You'll be more vital. You you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or eat more meat. You will lose weight. Right. When you look at all these studies, one, let's see who funded them. It's usually the meat, dairy, or egg industry, right? And number two, let's see how long they were conducted for. Yes, if you put someone on a diet, you know, the studies are conducted for a couple weeks to a month at a time. But then when you look at the long population studies that have been done over years to decades, following hundreds of thousands, tens to hundreds of thousands of people, the, the trend is the same. The more meat and animal protein one consumes, the higher the rate, the higher their chances for heart disease, diabetes, cancer, obesity, and the less uh, meat and animal protein one consumes, the less their risk for all of those diseases. And it's funny that you say that because I did read, I don't remember which documentary it was, but they did say that... Um, the ones who had remember for a while there a few years ago you you both probably remember that it was pushing breakfast mm-hmm. and that's it, the most important meal of the day yeah and in japan and like those asian countries they don't really eat breakfast they regularly intermittent fast i'm like wait a minute and those are some of like the blue zones that you're talking about yeah and it's like then you go back and then you do all the research and you look up and it's like all these big breakfast companies because it costs pennies. So they charge you, let's say, for a Jimmy Dean sandwich to something, for right. two sandwiches at Walgreens. They It, it costs them like cents. Third, yeah, cents. And they're making, let's say, like a 800% profit on that one little thing while meats aren't making as much profit, you know, per capita that breakfast would be doing and right. it was pumped for years you remember commercials yeah, yeah, yeah. the most important bre- you know meal exactly. of the day is breakfast breakfast now it's kind of been cut out right you know and because you constantly are- see these trends always yeah. going up and down but what remains the same is 
the just pure pure fact of what when you're looking at the population studies across across um, across countries, what remains the same is the more animal protein, meat and animal protein that a population consumes, the greater their chance for heart disease, diabetes, cancer, obesity, etc. And the less they consume, the less their risk. And that that's just like the same. In the countries that consume less, they're living longer, they're just healthier overall, their their obesity is very minimal. Um, and it's just like when I think when I, I I tie it back into my dad, right? My dad was fifty five when he passed. He was the epitome of a healthy adult middle aged man. The epitome of healthy adult middle aged man. He he worked out, he resistance trained, lift weights three to four days a week. On top of that he'd also run five to six miles at a clip, sometimes more, another four to five days a week. Um, he had a salad every night for dinner, almost every night for dinner, two pieces of fruit every day for lunch, didn't eat didn't drink soda or ate eat fast food. Uh, my parents gave up smoking before I was born, and he barely, I mean, like, didn't, didn't use drugs, and his alcohol consumption was maybe a, a glass of red wine when we went out on the weekends uh, for dinner, or a beer here or there, and he died of an invasive gastrointestinal disease that took over his body, and it just, like, it was to the point where, I mean, a month... The last month before uh, before he passed, he was so weak that I had to literally carry him around my house. Essentially, I, he had to say I had to deadlift him off the couch. He had to put his arms over my shoulders, and we walked chest to chest from room to room. And this was a man who was like, <laughs> as I was just saying, like the what, epitome of a good, uh, healthy man. right. And then it, he just went to that. And I remember like a week before he passed, we were down at, at the hospital Sloan Kettering in New York City. And he was, you know, there's this like older woman who came up off the elevator. We were just waiting uh, to leave. And we're sitting there and he's like, wow, Bob, like, can you, can you believe that? Look at that lady. She's like 90 years old and she's stronger than I am. He couldn't even walk at that point. He was, I had a wheelchair. I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to wheel him around in a wheelchair. And, you know, and it's just like, how how did how did that how did that happen and then when you look at the research what what is highly quarter, correlated with uh, uh, cancers of the of the colon of the gastrointestinal tract high consumption of red and processed meat and we ate we ate red meat as a family two to three times a week on average my dad's favorite meal going out to a restaurant was a a, a 12 ounce New York sirloin cooked medium rare. Put on the you know, basically put it on the grill, flip it a couple times, and you're done. Kind of like eating almost borderline raw. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was bloody when it came out on the plate. Right. And and then on top of that, what we eat at home, we'd have burgers. We'd also have steak at home, meatloaf, ground, you know, goulash or whatever, you know, whatever whatever my mom was cooking. Right. It always had it. The all it was always the center. All the centerpiece of our dish was always meat. It's always meat. And, I mean, just using my biomarkers as an example, and I wish I had had my HDLs, LDLs, and my triglycerides measured at the time when I had my cholesterol measured in 2014, but just looking at that, 178 to 137, I mean, that's what, like, a over a 25% decrease? And it's just, like, I can't, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me how, how this happened. And, and really, like, 
a lot of people say, oh, well, oh, well, it's just this common belief that cancer is some, you know, invasive monster. Heart disease is just, you know, it's just, oh, it's by chance, you know, getting diabetes. No, like, as if we're some, as if humans are frail, frail creatures destined to die, destined to die slow and horrible deaths from equally horrific diseases. That, like, that, that's, no, it's not, it's false. It's false, you know. And, and yeah, yeah, it's funny that you say that because a lot of these diseases really didn't start showing up until like the last thirty modern years. Modern society. Yeah, but you look at everything. We were dying from uh, from Spanish flu, from uh, measles, from right. uh, you know different diseases that were big in those times. You know, but you never heard somebody would die. I mean, uh, you rarely ever heard somebody from a heart problem or, or right. somebody you know that they deter- I, I don't know so cancers a lot of the symptoms of cancers you never saw those symptoms for them to say that was cancer back in the day they just couldn't call that cancer right. you never see those symptoms that were recorded from back in those days I mean we, right. didn't, we couldn't really tell what cancer was back in those days right but the symptoms that they would record down according to what is is on documents Nobody really had cancer. Right. So you look at all that stuff. I mean, people were dying from starvation, from eating uh, 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 rotten foods, uh, bacteria that had killed them. uh, Because uh, let's say like in Europe, in the time of the queen and everybody, when they were giving out foods, mm-hmm. you know, and to the people, and they were giving out rotten foods and stale the people, bread and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's why the people revolted against, you know, but but that's what they were dying from. They weren't dying from unhealthy food choices. And it's funny when you look when you look at when you actually go back and you look at our ancestors, right? Who were the ones who were always overweight and unhealthy? The wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who yeah. were always in like great shape or just they didn't they didn't have high body masses the peasants yeah, yeah right because what did they predominantly eat they ate grains and bread right and the wealthy predominantly ate meats and cheeses yeah because they could afford that because, because they could cheese afford- and meat was the most expensive right thing. Yeah, yeah. because they could afford it and yet they were the unhealthiest and then and then it's just like kind of tying everything into this whole money-making thing. In the United States alone, 80% of the antibiotics produced in the U.S. are sold to the animal agriculture industry because there are over 450 known drugs to be administered to the animals. Wow. Because of the bad things. Yeah, because you had said this in the beginning. You said that uh, you you always see in commercials or something that the cow is eating grass and it's happy. And it's really not because there's no way that thousands and thousands of cow could um, take up even a few acres or a few, let's say, 50 to 100 acres. They would eat all the grass up and there would Mm -hmm. be no grass for the next day or following. I mean, there's no possible way that that many cows could eat, could uh, have that much grass to eat. So right. they got to feed them something else because there's not enough grass. So what do they do? They feed them. Uh, well, well, no. They, so the drugs, the drugs are to keep them because they're they're because of how they're housed, right? They're all housed on top of one another, and in like you hear all these you hear all these slogans that just make us feel better. They're, they they were created to make us feel better about our decisions, like like cage free, free range, grass fed, pasture raised. I will debunk all of those right now for you. Cage-free simply means the 
the hens, the chickens, aren't caged in like one by one foot cages where that's literally just enough to fit their body in. They're housed in a big open pen. So think of like a big, big rectangle with thousands of chickens on top of one another. That is cage free. That's cage free. Free range means they have some time outdoors, but that time isn't specified. So that literally could mean like you, you once know, a year. Or it, it could just be oh, like, yeah, it could be like, hey, you know what? All right, guys, go out, use the bathroom. All right, come back in. That's it. Bam. Free range. Same thing with grass fed. Well, grass fed, well, actually, that's pasture raised. Same thing with pasture raised. Grass fed, everyone thinks, okay, grass fed, I'm eating grass fed beef. Really good grass fed beef. You know, the, the cows are, the, no. What grass fed refers to is the diet. It means the animals were fed a diet of grass and forage versus grain. That's all that grass-fed means. It has nothing to do with the ethics behind the raising of the animals. And pasture-raised just means that the, the animals spent sometimes outdoors, except these, these aren't regulated by the government. So that time is unspecified. So as long as that animal gets to go outside for some time during the day, could be 30 seconds to a minute, you can slap on that you can slap on that package of meat pasture raised and then it just makes us think oh well we feel better about ourselves right but you're really like we're not connecting we're not connecting to the animals we're not the ones in their suffering and you know a great quote by 1978 Nobel laureate Isaac Singer is human beings see oppression vividly when we're the victims otherwise we victimize blindly and yeah. without a thought yeah. It's so easy to sit there and say, oh, you know what? Well, whatever. That's okay. At least they were killed humanely. What does humane mean? Does anybody know? Commonly, when I pose this question to people, and when talking about veganism, people say, well, as, as long as they're killed quickly, right? Quickly, and they didn't know. The definition of humane is having compassion or benevolence. So how can you compassionately or benevolently kill a sentient creature that doesn't want its life taken? You can't. And we think that we reserve the right to these animals and to their bodies. We don't. Do I deserve the right to your life or your body? I don't. No. Do I deserve the right to yours, Marcus? No. Exactly. Right? And do either of you deserve the right to mine? No. No. And do you deserve the right to another living creature's? No. And, you know, if we're talking on God and this topic of God... My, my question is always, did God create man or did man create God? We can go into a huge, deep conversation on that. But we have, been, we, have this, we have this ability with our brains to think very deeply and cognitively, right? That's why we are as advanced as we are because of our brains. Does that reserve us the right to exploit other creatures then? No. Just because we, we have the ability to doesn't mean that it's right. I have the ability to go down the, down the road and rob the, 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 the shell station. Does that mean I reserve the right to do that? Does it make it moral? Does it make it legal? We slap these statements or we say, you know, oh, we're slaughtering these animals. Really what we're doing is we're murdering them, right? If I were to go outside and just shoot someone in the head, well, as long as they weren't looking and it was done humanely, is that okay then? They didn't know it was coming. I just walked up behind them, shot them, and killed them. I killed them humanely. What's, what's, what's the problem? Oh, but it's a human. Okay, so if I go do that to a cow, that's okay. Why is that okay? Just because that, it, that creature looks differently than us? 
because it speaks differently than us and it has different forms of communication. I mean, pigs are smarter than dogs, and yet we love dogs and cats. In China, they have the Yulin Dog Meat Eating Festival. They eat thousands of thousands of dogs and cats, and yet people will be outraged when they hear that. Oh my God, that's terrible that they're eating all those dogs and cats as they're sitting there cutting up their piece of chicken. As if it's okay. As if one, you know, the right to life is, you know, reserved for, for, it's okay to, you know, to, to do these things to, to one species, but not the other. It's called speciesism, right? And what is that so closely, closely related to? Racism. Racism is just doing the same thing, but to our own species, based on our race. And if we think about it, right, and if we're, you know, a lot, a lot of the common pushback that I get with veganism, oh, well, this is what our ancestors have done. This is what we've done for all of time. We've eaten animals. So that's, that's why we should continue doing it, right? Okay, well, let's, uh, in my mom's lifetime, my mom's 61, she was born in 1958. Black people didn't have rights. Marcus and his family had were, no rights. Had no rights. Yeah, back in the time. Within my mom's lifetime, right? My mom is 61. She's still young. Within my mom's lifetime, Marcus and his family and his ancestors, they didn't have, they didn't have rights. Let's push that back even a little bit further. 1920s, women just gained rights. Okay? So, not like within the last 100 years, women didn't have rights and African Americans didn't have rights. Does that mean that's morally okay today? Our ancestors were doing it not that long ago. Slavery was societal norm not that long ago. Rape was societal norm not that long ago. If you look at the, if you look at the ancient Greeks, it was societal norm for men of prominence to have sex with 10-year-old boys. That was societal norm. Does that make it morally right? Should that be continued today just because our ancestor did it? I would hope everyone would say no. But even in today's world, some, some cultures marry off 13-year-old girls to 40-year-old men. It's disgusting. Does it make it right? No. I mean, their culture deems it as right. But if you really think about it, like, is it morally right? Is it morally right to do something like that? Is it morally right? We know what's morally right and what's morally wrong. It's like that feeling we get inside of us. And this is kind of like where that uncomfortableness, people, I see where it comes from. It's just because it's like a lot of like these deep moral conflicts. And that's what I started having myself. I remember the last time I actually bought meat. I, I picked it up. It was, it, was, it was a pack of grilled chicken. Bought meat in the store. I remember the last time I actually ate meat. It was the night before I went at the Cheesecake Factory but like when I was actually buying meat I remember really had this moral conflict I picked it up I put it in my cart and I was like I don't know if I want to get this and I put it back and then I was like ah oh, but I kind of need it I need I need the protein and so I picked it up put it in the cart and I put it back and I, did, I, I literally did that I like if people, people were sitting there watching me in the store they were probably like what is this kid doing right and it was because I was struggling I was struggling with that 
And it, but even and not that long ago, it was still not fully aware for me. I wasn't having those moral conflicts yet because I hadn't fully connected with the animals. I hadn't seen what was going on to them. I hadn't really imagined, like vividly imagined after watching what was actually happening to them and sat there and was like, what would I, what would I feel like? What would I be doing? What would I want done to me if I were in their position? That's like once I fully connected with that, that's when it was like that's when it going vegan became so easy. And it was hard for me to get like after I gave up meat, it was hard for me to give up all animal products, right? And and what I was saying, I have a sweet tooth. And so like the baked goods with that were made with milk and eggs, I still eat sweets. Oreos are vegan. I love Oreos. They don't have any milk, eggs, nothing. So how how does like say for instance this so Let's say you have a chicken, mm-hmm. and then the chicken lays an egg, mm-hmm. and then you eat that egg. Where is the unethically the unethical? How, how's, thing? It, how's it unethical behind yeah. that? Yeah. So, well, let's look at the animal agriculture industry. Well, so, let's say let's say like for instance, like you live in a farm and you have your own chicken and you raise it and you take care of it and you do you know and like they're 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 laying eggs at a normal rate a normal healthy rate that a chicken would lay which is about for that if if they did it regular and just normal right which is which is about 20 a year that a chicken would lay yeah like you would find that ethically okay and you would eat that or you would just not eat it because of health reasons i wouldn't at this eat, point. i wouldn't eat the eggs because of the health reasons yeah, yeah. now i know some people who uh are plant-based right and they pretty much eat a predominantly vegan diet except they do have chickens and they raise chickens themselves and they're not ultimately killing the chickens and the chickens are laying eggs at a normal rate that a chicken would which is about 20 per year not 300 per year which is what the chickens are yeah, they're, they're like, and they're raised, and that's what these all these drugs and antibiotics and hormones. That's that's why they're they're necessary for the animal agriculture industry because these animals are being exploited, like insanely exploited. There is no like the dairy and egg industries are actually even more evil than the meat industry. In the meat industry, the animals are raised, they're killed, right? In the dairy and egg industries, the animals are raised, exploited, their bodies are used pushed past their limits, way beyond their limits, and then they're killed. They All, all the animals born in the animal agriculture industry are ultimately killed for meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the dairy cows, they're not, they're like, those cows didn't live happy lives. Those those mothers, that's what they are, right? Mothers, the women, the, the dairy cows, they are women, you know, and for all women connecting, rape is a, has been a big issue, right? Recently, like you see a lot of like all the rape cases going on, right? And so thinking from a woman's standpoint, I mean, what happens to these female cows? They are raped on a daily basis because in order to produce milk, they have to be pregnant. And in order to be pregnant, they are artificially inseminated. And that happens over and over again. And then as soon as that baby is born, it's stripped from its mother. It mother its mother goes through withdrawal periods. If you if you watch the videos, you'll see the mothers yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 they are clearly in agony when their babies are taken away. And those babies are taken away and either killed immediately or they're locked in a box for four months and then they're killed four months later for veal, which is what veal is. And you know, and then once those dairy cows are just used beyond their belief, like to push way past their limits and they can't produce milk anymore, they're literally picked up by a bulldozer and 
delivered to the meat industry to be to be murdered slaughtered murdered it's the same thing yeah like i i definitely agree with you on on a lot of the things um as far as eating the animals Mm -hmm. maybe that on the moral standpoint i might not agree as much because i don't see the whole um you go to many other countries and animals are just animals you know what i mean like right. we, we just treat them like you go to el salvador where my family's from and animals is just an animal i see an animal there and i think you treat it you do right by it you live it good and then everything has a circle of life mm-hmm. um eventually we die off and we go into this earth you know better said i mean not as much anymore, but you go into this earth and you become, you know, you kind of become part of this circle of life. That right. It all kind of, you feed back into the earth, the earth gets from you and you water and vice versa. And um, I do believe that the animals at a certain point, you, you, you eat them, you know what I mean? Because... I don't see it so much as like the dogs do, which I, I, I don't go against you. You know, that's that's the way you think. You know, I totally the way you broke it down was very good. But some people look at dogs and they're like, I would give anything for a dog and take care of a dog. And like you said, they'll eat the chicken. Like, right. Without a thought. I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll, I'd, I could be cutting the chicken and looking at the dog like if I was in China, I'd probably be eating you. You know what I mean? But I don't but I don't I would never punish a dog. I would never kill the dog in its young age nor you know what i mean in its youth and i understand the whole concept of the meat and um you know the whole um how do you say it? uh the punishment that goes into the cow and i do sometimes think about that when i do get the cows because it's a lot of those industrial ones that really destroy the integrity of the animal and i do see that and I do struggle with that a little bit on my own because I do think about a lot of that stuff when I go out and I grab meat. And it's, it's hard. I mean, you, you said it yourself. You go through that. You went through that struggle. And I don't know if I could ever do it. Like, to, to be honest, I would love if, if I could. Listen, if I could. Me and my wife have talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. If I could, I would own a farm, mm-hmm. raise all the animals. Yep. Plant my own things, you know what I mean? Even the stuff in the plants, like there's a would lot of- Would you kill the animals yourself? I would. I personally would. I, I would I would do it, but I wouldn't do it like I wouldn't go, uh, like for instance, like, like you said with the chicken. I wouldn't um, try to find a way to get that chicken to lay eggs, like as many as it can and as fast as it can. And then, you know what I mean? Like let it go on its own nature, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, the same thing with the cow, vice versa with the dogs and everything. I wouldn't eat the dog, you know what I mean? But I wouldn't also, I don't treat a dog like sit with me, lay with me, sleep with me. Mm-hmm. Like I look at a dog like you're a dog. Like you're right. an animal, you sit outside, you stay outside. That's my, you know, that's where I... That's I just how it. you've grown up. That's That's how I've grown up. It's not so much that that's how I was raised, because even my parents, they have a dog in their house, too. Mm. But I don't, I see, like, uh, how do you, how do you call it? Like, there is a circle of life, and that everything once feeds itself. It sounds crazy, but 
Lion King, Mufasa said that shit perfect. He's like, right, right. one day we die, and then we go into the earth, and then this feeds the grass, and then the lion eats. Our energy is neither created nor destroyed. Yeah. It's just continuously It just continuously on. goes back and forth. You know, so, if, so if that's the case, and, and this is where I, I'll, I throw the question back at you, which is, so if it's within nature, the lion eats the other animal, the cheetah eats, you know, a smaller animal, and so on and so forth, and they continue. If all of them were to stop eating each other, then the circle of life would stop and we would cease to exist. So that's that's where my the combat comes in there. That I, I say, we all have a circle of life and, right. it, and it all continues somewhere. But I don't agree with all the stuff that they do. I don't agree with the cow, the storing of the cow. I don't like that at all, I, I, I will say. It's hard for me. It's the, the, really the hard. Thing with, the thing that, that pushed me to... to, to the one when I saw this, and that was when I was like, I can't, I can't not be vegan anymore. I, I consider myself an animal lover. I always have been. I would never inflict harm onto another creature willingly, unless like I had to. I was in defense of my life, right? Or the only time, the only, and people ask me, oh, would you ever eat meat again? Or what if you were starving, stranded on an island? Like, yes, if I'm going to die. <laughs> And I ran out of, like, I'm stuck in an island. I hate when people give me right. those. It's like, all right, uh, man, I'm not trying to go like, that far. Relax. If I'm going to die and I'm stranded on an island and I ran out of coconuts, right? I have no more coconuts left. <laughs> you to see eat. a pig just sitting there. Right. Like, and right, it's just like, you, okay, it's just like, I've got to do what I have to do. And that's the only thing that's left for me to eat or I die. Yes, I'm going to do what I have to do. But in the, in the world that we live in today, we don't need meat and animal protein. Yeah. to live and to survive and to thrive we don't need it and it, it, like the, the way you said it was perfect like i'm not gonna lie you 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 got me wanting to try to do this for like two months at mm -hmm. least i want to try it and see how it works out but because you think about it and everything you said how you put it all out it it's like I, even if i don't i think i would like to go very plant-based period right Predominantly plant-based. Like, even to go, let's, let's push it from 80, let's say, like, to 90. Right. Because I'm actually new far, not too far off. I was talking with Marcus. He was like, you'd be surprised how much plant-based you already are. And I'm like, and I started thinking about it. And I'm like, hmm, let me see. Let me, let me just see my day. Mm. And in my house, it's the same thing. I'm like, damn. I'm like, we don't have as much meat as what I thought. But then again, I've also changed my whole house has right. changed how they've eaten in the last few right. years. And I have seen the effects that meat will have, you know, uh, and you're right, um, the recovery rate from plant to meat, it's, it, it's tremendous. You, and, and, the reason, and the reason is because animal protein is sulfuric. Meaning it's it's if you know the pH level, the pH scale. So, so that acidic level. It's right. Like below 4.5, isn't it? Well, yeah. So zero basically on the pH scale, it's zero to 14. Seven is neutral. Your body is always trying to maintain neutrality, uh, neutral pH, homeostasis, um, balancing energy in versus energy burned. A zero on the pH scale is pretty, pretty much like battery acid, acidic. And then a seven and then 14 is like super alkaline. Right. And so meat is very it's it's a acidity the animal protein is very low it's like two three you know depending yeah, yeah. on depending on what it 
is. And so what happens is when and, you and wait, just to add to this, because I, I know a lot about this over the last few years, you got to learn about it in school, too. Mm-hmm. Really, you shouldn't be putting anything in your body that's between. Let's say. You, you, you shouldn't really be doing it that much because there is some positive aspects to it. But overall, let's say 90 percent, your body, your your hair and skin are between um, the pH levels of 4.5 to 5.5. Mm-hmm. So anything below that, you should not really be putting into your body in general because uh, and this is for all the girls who listen to the podcast and for guys who want to be like beautiful uh if you want to take very good care of your skin and your hair and keep the elasticity the elasticity of the skin is what helps you your your skin to kind of come back and you don't get the wrinkles and you get nice stretch like a rubber band Mm -hmm. more or less it keeps that elasticity nice so every time it comes back uh, if if the rubber band dries out it cracks exactly think about it the same way with your skin so if you pull that and then it retracts back and is dried up, it cracks. Same thing with your skin. If you um, put it on an acidic or high alkaline level, yep. it, it, it'll either dry up or it becomes way too soft. And then it same thing, vice versa. You'll begin to get cracks in the skin because of damages. Mm-hmm. So 4.5 to 5.5 is like the perfect level for your skin to keep porosity, elasticity, right? And, and nice health, good health yep. to, the, to the skin. So anything... Whatever you eat is obviously going to change the acidic or alkaline levels within your body. So exactly. meats, high meat content will affect Animal protein your skin. in general. Yeah, and animal protein in general. And I've seen so many cases of people who have severe acne. They consume lots of meat and animal protein. They go plant-based or fully vegan, yeah, and it yeah. clears up. Yeah, I, I tell that people. I tell that to a lot up. of people. Uh, they tell me, um, oh, it's my diet. I'm like, listen. I'm like, just... Just do this. Try to go like very, very vegetarian Mm -hmm. for a few weeks. And see what happens. And see what happens. And you see a massive, massive impact on your skin. It's crazy. Yeah. And and, and I say this to people and people are like, "Ah," and I'm like, listen, I studied this. I know skin. And it's tough. It's tough because it's, uh, again, it's tough. And and, and there's a lot of pushback because it's just what we've been led to believe as a certain way. Like this is the way it is. This is right. This is what we need. And it's so hard to break it down. Like people don't want to be told their health is direct, you know, like they're the cause to all of their health problems. Like your health is a direct result of what you put in and on your body every day. And people would, it's, it's easier to say, Oh, well, you know, it's family history. Diabetes runs in the history. You know, cancer runs in my family history. Heart disease runs in my family history. Obesity runs in my family history. So my mom was obese um, means I'm going to be obese. Well, your mom, your, being, your mom being obese is going to lead to you being obese if you follow her habits. I, 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 wait, <clears throat> this, is, this is what I, I tell this to people all the time too. <clears throat> the reason why... A lot of people have hereditary things in the family. Is They're because, learned habits yeah, that have been passed on from generation to generation. You have your great-great-grandmother that's been cooking this way. So, of course, your mother's going to cook the same way. lard and butter yeah. and animal fat. And, and it continues on and exactly. back and forth. And eventually, you want 
to feel the same comfort foods because it makes you feel good because you go through depression or boyfriend breaks up with you and you want to go to your mom's. Food comfort- is so much more than just food. It's yeah. like there's so much culture ingrained exactly. into it and it's so much there's so much emotional connection to it. So you're bound if you're eating the same exact stuff that your grandmother with diabetes and cancer and your mother with diabetes and cancer and you and your sister with diabetes and cancer, it's like then you're, you're more than like get diabetes and cancer. Yeah, exactly. You're the same exact way. And I tell them I'm like it has a lot to do with what you eat. And 100%. I, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. I, I would, I, I'm, I want to try, but I don't want to say, cause I, I don't like being, I used to say a whole bunch of things and never complete them. And in the last year I've been trying to say and do mm-hmm. and not turn back on my word. Because if I were to think about what I say, I'm just a man with no integrity and with no willpower. I just speak, 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 and don't do. Right. So I've been trying my hardest to say and do. Right. And not be a person that... You've I, come to the right place. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, so let, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to try this. But I don't want to say that I'm going to do it fully. But I have seen the past. And the reason why I'm so inspired is, first of all, all the numbers that you just threw at me was fascinating. I, I, did, that's I just like the, that. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I know. You, you really should start up a podcast, and I, and I mean that. Like we should. have one coming, Plant Strength Radio. Season 1 launches April 2020. Yeah, so everybody, you just heard that. You have to listen to this because I guarantee you there's hundreds of other things. You can go into like, dude, you can go into like day-to-day. Like say, for instance, somebody's like, uh, well, what kind of meats or how do I do this? And it's like, boom, you can answer thousands of questions. Simple and- way to start. If you want to start transitioning to a plant-based diet, it's the easiest thing. It's 2020. There is a meat or an animal protein substitute for everything. Every meat, cheese, dish, dessert you can think of, you can find a vegan alternative for. So simply take your standard meat, potato, vegetable meal and swap out the meat for a meat substitute. Swap out the cheese, you know, and the sour cream on your baked potato for salsa and avocado. So swap out the butter on your vegetables if I just say eat them steamed. That's the best way. You're going to get the most nutrients without all that added fat and unnecessary garbage. Or if you really want butter, use a vegan butter or just zest it with some lemon. Super simple. Just like that, you can make a vegan meal. Same same standard structure that you've been eating your whole life. Meat, potato, vegetable, just swap it out. Use a, use a substitute. Just go online. You know, Vegan cheese substitute. Vegan meat substitute. Vegan butter substitute. Tons of options will pull up. We have our own meat substitute. We're launching so the market. So ex- explain this so you can take a moment to advertise yourself because this is, a, I think, a good little platform to advertise. Mm-hmm. So what is that exactly that you're doing and what separates you, I guess you could say, or what is it that you like about it that you wanted to do this? Yeah, so so I mean, that was, that, that's one of the first questions that I get asked all the time when I tell people I'm vegan is where do you get your protein from? Most people don't know, and as I didn't once didn't realize either, is that all protein is derived from plants. Even though we've been conditioned to believe, again, that's the animal agriculture industry doing this, protein comes from animals. That is wrong. A cow, the average bull, is, grows to be 2,400 pounds. What do they eat? Yeah, they eat no meat. Yeah. They don't eat meat. They're not eating each other. They're eating grass and forage and grain, right? You know, look at a, look at a hippopotamus. Look at a gorilla. What are they eating? They're eating plants. Um, so all protein is derived from plants. And But again, I didn't give up meat. Marcus didn't give up meat 
because we didn't like the taste of it. Mm-hmm. We gave it up because of what it is, you know, and what happens. And one of the things I wanted to say before was like, when I went fully vegan, one of the videos I saw is what happens to day-old male chicks born into the egg industry. Do you know what happens? No. Do you know what a macerator is? Yep, yep. It's an industrial-sized garbage disposal. They are separated out from the female chicks because they're useless. They can't produce eggs. They're put onto a conveyor belt that leads them down into a garbage disposal and they a macerator, and they are macerated alive at a day old. And all of that meat that just gets dumped into a big dumpster outside of the facility is then what you find in your chicken nuggets at McDonald's. It's what you find in your dog food and your cat food and any other sorts of canned and processed meats. And canned and processed meats are already classified by the World Health Organization as type 1 carcinogens, meaning they're known to cause cancer, meaning they're equivalent to cigarettes, which are known to cause cancer. And again, as we touched on this in the beginning of the podcast, everything coming full circle, what were we talking about earlier, that just not long ago, within the last 100 years, it was common, you know, it was, it was believed that cigarettes were healthy. Smoke cigarettes while pregnant. It's healthy for you, yeah. right? Oh my God. Chew, chew tobacco. It's healthy for you. It's all. It's all media. It's all propaganda. It's all advertising. It's all a money. I, I smoke cigars too. I'm it's like a bad example for industry. all this, dude. I'm like, but but one I of love the cigars. But well, yeah, one of the one of the biggest questions I always get asked is where do you get your protein from? And again, like I didn't. Neither one of us gave up meat because we didn't like the taste of it. Um, but I honestly couldn't even imagine it. Seeing meat now, it kind of turns me off. It's 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 crazy just how much your your mind and your your perspective starts to change once you connect with like what would I do if I were the in the animal's position? It's a one. We have a one in four hundred trillion chance of being born human. We have better chances at winning the lottery in our life than we have being born a human. And that's why I'm like, man, what if I was born that pig? What if I was born that cow? What would I do? Right? How would I see the world? Because I know, like, and I know currently how you see animals now, um, because they're just animals. But what are we? We're animals, too. We just look different. We walk differently. We talk differently. We speak differently. But they have, they all have thoughts. Maybe they're not as deep and as cognitive as us. But it doesn't mean they don't want to live, right? And, like, what would you want done if you're looking up? I I think it's even worse. Honestly, I think it's even worse when an animal is born, raised on a family farm, and then killed for meat. Because those animals become so close to the humans, they gain their trust, and then one day they're just turning on them and killing them because they, those humans like the taste of their bodies. I mean, how, like that's just that whole violation violation of trust. That is huge for me. I am such, and this is my dad always taught this to me, and my, both my parents always taught this: honest, do what's do what's honest, like be honest. I apply that principle on full honesty and transparency to everybody and everything in my life full honesty and transparency and that lack of trust doesn't sit well with me and that's why i think it's even worse again raising animals on a family farm to ultimately kill them for meat because those animals gain your trust versus if they're born into animal agriculture industry they're suffering from day one there is no trust they are fighting for their lives and they don't like they pretty much kind of know what's imminent for them um but speaking on just kind of speaking on what we were saying is that when going like when going vegan or what we're doing i always get asked what uh, what, you know where do you get your protein from our product chicken bites they're made from a soy flour and what we're how we're trying to set ourselves apart is we don't 
we are our motto is made from ingredients that you can pronounce. A lot of the meat substitutes that are available on the market today, a lot of them are full of a lot of additives and preservatives. And that's a big turnoff for a lot of people. People would say, oh, well, why, what's the point of eating that meat substitute? Look at all the chemicals in it, right? Well, to get you started on that transition to plant-based, plant-based diet, they help, right, to try to wean yourself off of meat. But really, like Marcus was saying, you and Marcus were talking about, we predominantly eat plant-based to begin with. Like, what, oh, what, what, am I, what, what am I even going to eat if I'm vegan? Just salads like lettuce, beans, grains, legumes, you know, rice, potatoes, vegetables, nuts, seeds. You said, you said real quick, just to interject, you said the other day, um, like even a, a Get French a little fr- closer to the mic. My bad. Even a, a, a French fry is vegan. You know what I mean? And depending that's like on, yeah, depending on how it's cooked, like exactly. what to cook in. And that's not something that you necessarily connect with being vegan or being or Oreos. Just because, exactly, just because yeah. it tastes good and, and, you know, you're satiated, you, you enjoy the taste of it. But at the same time, it's a vegetable or it's a starch. And, right. um, yeah, that's... And, and it's, yeah, and, it's, and so then, but then, you know, like, why would you turn to one of these meat substitutes that has all these added chemicals? Well, like, the biggest reason is it's cruelty-free, right? And it's an easy way to kind of get started. But with our product, we want to set ourselves apart. There's no additives or preservatives. The ingredient list from top to bottom is water, defatted soy flour, distilled white vinegar, garlic, sugar, salt, um, turmeric, black pepper, baking soda, oregano top to bottom those are the ingredients and there are there's no fat 20 grams of protein per five ounce serving and eight grams of fiber only seven grams of net carbs per serving 140 calories and uh its texture is very similar to chicken we spell it c-h-i-c-k apostrophe n chicken bites a little play on words uh for that and it can be easily integrated into any dish or meal as you would eat if it had actual chicken in it. And we were just cooking up a whole bunch of food last night to for, for product pictures uh, you know, on our website. We cooked up, a, you know, we had a, a big burrito, we had a Mex bowl, we had a salad, we had pasta. And if you were to see, if you guys want to check these out, plantstrengthperformance.com, that is our website. Again, that is plantstrengthperformance.com. And then you just click on the food page. So if you want to go directly to it, plantstrengthperformance.com slash food, and you'll be able to check out the chicken bites. Uh, we're currently going to be selling them uh, to restaurants and meal prep services to start. The ultimate goal is to um, soon, you know, after, uh, start selling directly to you guys as consumers online through our website. But for right now, we're going to be starting uh, selling just to local restaurants and meal prep services. Because it's the, I mean, the, the demand for plant-based is, it's, it's, it's in greatly increasing. And, um, like, although we don't need as much protein as we're led to believe, like a gram per pound of body weight, a gram, you know, two grams per pound of body weight. I mean, if some, if you were to eat 270 grams, five grams of protein a day, your kidneys would be killing you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, at, at, when you were 275, even 210, you don't even need that much now. Um, but like, but having a, uh, a a substitute that you can just easily swap in. Again, like we didn't give up meat because we didn't like the taste of it. We gave it up because we know what it is and what like what it was, and that's and that's why. But our product is very great, ta- very great tasting. It has its own unique savory taste on its own. It's pre cooked and ready to eat. It can be eaten cold um, or warmed up or 
integrated into any dish and when you put it into a dish i mean marcus it tastes amazing and i think real quick that's part of the like that's like half the battle is the convenience factor um with eating meat and consuming meat products it's there it's readily available for you right um so that's one thing we're trying to attack with these chicken bites is that you know like he said you can you can throw them in a dish you could throw them in a stir fry real quick they're ready to eat in minutes you could throw them in the microwave real quick they're ready to eat quick and um it's a wholesome great source of nutrition and yeah and, and, and again like it, it all comes down to that balanced nutrition that we're talking about and why we you know we're, our goal right now is to to sell to restaurants and meal prep services that aren't vegan or vegetarian to have that option for vegans and vegetarians i think it's good that you're doing that because there's a lot of um there's a lot of restaurants a lot of managers and chefs that i know that they'll say we don't have nothing vegan on our um, menu. On our menu, and a lot of people will call and they say, "Do you have this vegan?" And mm-hmm. they got to say no, and, and that just that's because, turning customers down. Because a lot of people, they're going out with friends and they want to hang out with their friends, but right. their friends are going out to dinner and they're all eating, yep. and then they don't have anything vegan exactly on the whole menu. So they're, I think it's great. I, th- I think you're gonna get. Especially on the local side, if it's priced good, I think you'll get a lot of people, a lot of restaurants to buy. That and that, that I mean, that's that's the hope. That I mean, that's the hope. It's just just to attack that problem. And I mean, being again, I mean, you can go out anywhere and you can make almost anything vegan. I mean, like if you're really stuck, I was at, I went to a steakhouse with a friend, a vegan in a steakhouse, right? What do I eat? I'll just get a salad. I'll get like a baked potato. I'll get some, you know, side of broccoli or whatever, just like some steamed vegetables. Um, but the problem is, is like whenever, whenever I leave a place like that, I'm not fully satiated, right? Because it's about, again, it's that balance of nutrients. I had a high amount of carbs and fat in that meal, but I didn't have the, the, the lean protein that I want, right? And that like, of course, you're going to get protein high protein content from meat because that's pretty much what it is it's just meat and fat right so again thinking of that balanced satiation that's why i'll usually go home and have something else or if i know i'm going to be going to a restaurant that's not vegan or vegetarian and i know what the menu is you can just easily look up the menu online for everything now you know everything is online nowadays i'll eat a little bit of something beforehand or a little bit after maybe some some tempeh some on my own meat substitutes, some seitan, maybe I'll have a protein shake um, just to increase my protein content um, overall. And then I'll go there and just have, you know, whatever it is at the restaurant. But with the chicken bites, we're looking to combat that. You don't have to worry about it. Oh, I want, you know, I want to get that burrito, but that burrito is made with pork carnitas. No problem. Substitute them out for chicken bites. And if you're vegan, just ask for no sour cream and cheese. No sour cream or cheese, you know, put avocado in the, in the, in the uh, burrito instead. Maybe the restaurant even has a vegan cheese. So let's put vegan cheese in there. Boom, there you go. Vegan burrito, just like that. High protein content, good carbs, healthy fats, everything you need. And that, that's, that's the goal. And really it's like we're trying, to, we're trying to change the game. We're trying to defy the status quo and prove what's possible through the power of plants. And I just, again, I feel amazing, absolutely amazing that I've been, that I've been plant-based for over two years now. And I feel very good mentally, physically, spiritually, just all around. I know that this is my purpose in life. Um, and it's to just spread my knowledge to help people. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I, 
entered the fit- fitness industry. I actually studied managerial economics in school. I have a minor in Spanish. Um, but when I graduated, I just, you know, I was, I, I thought for the longest time that I was going to work a job on Wall Street because that was just what I was supposed to do, right? That's like what society would tell me to do. You go to school for business, you go try to get a job on Wall Street or, you know, working in some big firm. And it just never sat right with me. I could always tell. I'm very, I'm very intuitive. I like to listen to my, to what, what that little voice that's going on inside. It, it knows what's right. You just have to quiet yourself down and listen and I just like I, I didn't I didn't I knew that wasn't right. And so while applying for jobs, kind of how I ended up entering the fitness industry, I met a lady who needed personal training. And I was like, oh, I'm still trying to look for a job. I was like, hey, you know, I can coach you. I have all these years of experience in the gym, very passionate. And I told her that. She's like, yeah, okay, I'll coach her. After I coached her, I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. This is awesome. I just helped this lady, just transferring my knowledge to her about how to get in shape. And she's down over almost 40 pounds and she's kept that weight off since we started working together um and just to educate people and teach people the right way because again it's it's about building a healthy lifestyle a sustainable lifestyle what i teach is flexible dieting intuitive eating mindset and habit change this isn't it's not it's not a quick fix diet plan that doesn't work doesn't lead to lasting yeah, that, results that is true like to break a habit is hard to change mm-hmm. a mindset is hard i mean it's difficult it yeah i i was going i was trying to do a lifestyle change not uh a diet right a lifestyle change that's what and, it's about and before i had done diets and i'm like i gotta change just everything and after, after practicing you know you you might do it and then you fall off just do it again because every time that you get back on that that cycle that you get back on lasts even longer right you know and then maybe you fall back off but then you get back on again and then the cycle and lasts even just, longer than the last time yo-yoing up and down yeah, yeah, exactly and it doesn't it doesn't work and you're not you're never fully you're never fully happy and it's just you always feel lost and it's like what do i do and then you get super demotivated because you gain all this weight and then you're like oh i have to go through that period again of this diet and the diet is so grueling and it's demanding it's really just because you're being restricted and you just don't have the knowledge yet of what to do and and listen i always do say that to restrict yourself and discipline is true freedom i always say that to everybody no to do what you what your heart and your base path so let me give you an example when you wake up in the morning your first desire is to sleep in because you're tired you want to sleep in this is a desire that the body has now if you were to do everything that your body desired at every moment meaning have sex when you want to have sex, right? Right. Or uh, punch somebody every time you want to punch somebody, right? These are the base passion. A passion is an incontrollable desire. Right. Anytime that you want to do these things, if you just did whatever your body wanted to do, you'd be in a very bad situation. Yeah, you would. So I say true discipline, uh, true freedom is found in discipline. Because Something my dad always taught. You because you, you, you tell yourself, yeah. you, say, you say to yourself, I'm telling you, body, what we're going to do. And today we're going to wake up at 6 and right. we're going to do this. We're not going to do what you're enslaving, right? Because we're enslaved to our emotions. Sometimes right. uh, you, you lash out in a moment of anger and, and, and you, you flip out on them. And you're like, and afterwards you think about it. Oh, I shouldn't have said all that. I shouldn't have done all that. That was messed up what I did. So true freedom is found in discipline. To mm-hmm. discipline yourself to say, I chose that. Not my body, not my emotions, not my heart, not my mind. It's about taking control. Exactly. And so to do, 
to discipline yourself to eat all these things. It's also finding a way to to to, to let this freedom, you know, kind of be for you to make these choices and say this is. I I, I have seen it like that in me eating healthier. That I'm like. And, and I've seen massive benefits. So everybody who's out there who's thinking, oh, this is so dumb. And so you do, you do, you think clear. You think 10 times clear. You, you, you're, you could stay awake longer, wake up earlier. You could get less sleep. I mean, some people sleep for 10, 11 hours. I mean, I, since I started eating healthier, I'm not even kidding you. I'll sleep like seven hours clean, like boom. And I sleep so much better. Yeah. The, the Fitbit. Yeah. When I started eating healthier, I noticed, except in the keto. Yeah. Not in the keto though. No, really. But interesting. In in the other ones in the Fitbit, when I was doing eating a lot healthier, taking out a lot of meats, eating a lot more salads, fruits, vegetables, um, I was eating less food in the morning, almost no food in the morning. I take that back. No food in the morning. I would eat maybe a bar or a fruit and something else during for lunch. So let's say like a fist size maybe worth right. of food for lunch. Um, and then I would eat probably like three-fifths size worth of food during dinner. And yep. that's it. So I was kind of more or less but eating healthy along all those three meals. And when I would go to sleep, I would sleep. I'm not even kidding you. Like it, it shows the bar and the bar like drops down. It shows that you're in like your yeah. deep sleep. And then it goes back up showing that you toss and you turn and you woke back up. So when I was in the keto and I measured my sleep habits, my sleep wasn't deep. Never really all the way down to the bottom. Like really? it, it, it would here and there, but I'd wake up and then I'd go back to sleep. I wake up, interesting, go back to sleep. interesting. But when I was in, just eating healthy overall, a well balanced, just everything in diet. general, yes. just doing like that, I would get. I'm not even kidding you. I could do like four hours of sleep. Yeah, and I was like wired. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like, wake up ready to go, dude. I hear you 100. percent The other night we um, we were working all day. And then I had to go to my other job, um, and it was like a nine to one loadout, so I didn't even get home till like two o'clock in the morning. So I was up from uh, like six or seven the day before to two o'clock in the morning the day after. And I'm thinking, I'm so tired. I'm thinking, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep till eleven o'clock or something like that, twelve o'clock noon or something like that. I woke up at like eight o'clock, ready to go. Man, I was ready to go after just six, five and a half, six hours of sleep. And that's just a testament to, you know, changing my lifestyle like you're talking about. Yeah. Like, we're just even taking that minor step. I'm still pescatarian. I still consume fish, not on a regular basis. But like you said, when I go out to eat or something like that, well, I'll still consume fish, uh, eggs and things like that. But just that's kind of just exactly how I started. Exactly. Right there, yeah. And just having the majority of my diet being being plant based and being fruits, vegetables, uh, you know, whole grains, eating the right things it's it's i've just noticed it sounds kind of corny but like i just noticed it on such a high level like it's it's insane yeah it is and and you think your 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 thoughts are so well connected you can think more chris and people think this is crazy like i've said this people like oh that's just you and it's like no like just water no sodas, no nothing. I drink coffee. I love coffee, man. Mm-hmm. Like black coffee is good uh, as long as I, you're I not do have a lot of listen, calories. So into that it. that is true because I do do black, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I'll like because I miss the milk in the coffee, so I'll throw the milk in there. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of black coffee, and I'm not even I'm not even kidding you, man. Like you know, you have so much. Your body uses so much water, and you don't know what's what you lack in water until you start drinking that much water. So you're supposed to drink, 
I think it's like what a gallon and a half a day or something like that. So for for men on average, it's about a gallon a day, 128 ounces. Yeah, yeah, something and like for that. women, it's about three quarters of a gallon, 90 ounces. But again, that, it really depends on your activity level. So that could go up and down. If you're very sedentary, you you could get away with less water. But if your activity level is high, I mean, I'll go through. I've got a, a 25 ounce bottle right here during just a workout alone i'll go through two to sometimes three of these that's 75 ounces right there just in the workout so i'm probably drinking about two gallons a day that's based on my activity level varies i i I try to drink about a gallon and a quarter so depending on how my day is same thing like you're saying i'll drink about a gallon and a quarter but i was drinking a cup a day that was it that was it. Really? Like, I mean, you're talking about also sodas, you know, um, I, I wasn't having too much water. And then, you know, the other thing, so if you have a lot of swelling too, mm-hmm. a lot of swelling in the body. It's inflammation. It's inflammation. And, you're, and that's water being stored in those spots of the inflammation. And the reason why the body does that is because it says, I have no water, so I need to store this water somewhere. So it stores it in the inflammation. Yeah. If you drink lots and lots of water. It flushes it all out. It flushes it all out. And the body goes, let me get rid of this water. Because it's less inflammation. Exactly. And in turn, so I started seeing that at work. I started drinking lots of water. Our bodies are 55 to 70% water. Yeah, man. So I'm like, geez, I'm like, I can't believe that all this. Also, sugar. I mean, a lot of people blame a lot of swelling also on sodium, which it is partial sodium, but there's also a big cause on sugar. So if I did, I I was still eating the same sodium content, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing, more or less stayed. Sugar I cut out massively. Again, so remember, what is sugar? Sugar is a carbohydrate, yeah, yeah. right? So sugar isn't is 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 glucose. It's basically basically it's 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 at its simplest form already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you eat a potato, right? If you eat a sweet potato, that guy, it gets digested to the equivalent of table sugar. The difference is the the length, the time at which it takes your body to digest that potato. It's going to digest a lot slower. That sugar is going to slowly release into your bloodstream versus where if you're eating a lot of high sugary products or just downing spoonfuls of of table sugar, which is basically what you're doing by drinking soda or juice. Juice is actually more, has a higher sugar content than, than soda. People think, oh, I'm going to drink grape juice or orange juice. Yeah, 12 ounces of grape juice is about 210 calories, 54 grams of sugar. But 12 ounces of a can of Pepsi is only about 140 calories and 40 grams of sugar. See, see that difference there? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's 70 calories and 14 more grams of sugar in grape juice, which is supposedly healthier for you. So again, but speaking on the sugar, it really comes down to how fast it's going to hit your bloodstream. And what that leads to is, because again, remember when your body stores glucose as glycogen it also stores three to four grams of water so and if you're not taking in enough water what is your body going to do with the water that it has inside it's going to hold on to it even more so then if you're consuming lots of sugar right that's coming in and that's going to start storing and it's going to cause that inflammation as well but also what leads to the inflammation is just overconsumption of calories and simple sugars like sodas and juices and just sweets right the reason those are what you want to minimize or avoid in your diet is because of the just their empty calories that cause your caloric intake to go up uh greatly and they hit your and you they hit your body fast but kind of speaking on this and this is kind of a topic that i want had wanted to get into i feel like we could just talk 
forever. We might have to record yeah, another podcast. for it, man. We might have to record a part two to this um, because what causes diabetes? Everyone thinks type 2 diabetes, adult onset diabetes, not type 1 diabetes, which is something that you're born with. Um, and that's an underproduction of insulin. Type 2 diabetes is an overproduction of insulin, meaning you're ins- insulin resistant. It's adult onset. What causes that? And who has that? Number one, the only people you ever see with type 2 diabetes are people who are obese or overweight. What causes that? Everyone wants to think sugar. Sugar is to blame. False. What causes that is a buildup of intomyocellular fat. Simple terms, it's fat stored within your muscle tissue. What we were talking about before about animal protein being very sulfuric, animal protein is not only sulfuric, it also is comes packed with lots of saturated fat and cholesterol. Tying this into the inflammation, because it's sulfuric, the body, and it causes inflammation, the body, like the animal protein, breaks down, the inflammation breaks down your muscle tissue, and it lead, when your mu- it damages the muscle tissue, and that leads to easy storage of fat the saturated fat within your muscle tissue. So consuming high consumption and high, a lot of meat and animal protein ultimately leads, if you're over consuming calories, again, what leads to fat storage is an overconsumption of calories. When you're consuming, and animal protein is very calorically dense, when you're eating, overeating calories and you're eating a lot in meat, meat and animal products, that fat is, the animal protein is damaging your muscle tissue. That fat is now easily, because the muscle tissue is damaged and inflamed, it easily stores fat within it. That fat then blocks your insulin receptors. So when your body digests carbohydrates, any not just carbohydrates, but any food, any nutrient, our pancreas releases insulin. Insulin is a storage hormone. It goes through our blood. It grabs those nutrients and shuttles them to our cells. Yes, simple carbohydrates cause large spikes in your insulin, but again, all nutrients cause a spike in insulin because that insulin is used to shuttle the nutrients to our cells. Beef actually raises your insulin more than pasta. The insulin index score for beef is 51. For pasta, it's only 43. So beef, again, beef, you think, oh, it's protein and fat, not carbs. Carbs, pasta, avoid the pasta. It's terrible for you, right? It's going to make me fat. Beef is causing a higher spike in your insulin than the pasta is. And so, again, what leads to fat gain is overconsumption of calories. But those insulin receptors that are within your muscle tissue, that's where the glucose is going to be stored as glycogen within your muscles. If you have a lot of intomyocellular fat, fat stored within your muscle tissue, that fat is blocking your insulin receptors. And so the glucose is not properly storing in your muscles as glycogen which makes your pancreas think, I didn't produce enough insulin. And so what does it do? It starts producing more insulin because it thinks it didn't produce enough to get the job done. When it already did, the problem is the fat stored within your muscle tissue because you're overweight or obese is what's blocking those insulin receptors. And as you continue that cycle over time, over time, your body builds up this insulin resistance and then eventually you become type 2 diabetic. What What is the only thing proven to cure type 2 diabetes and heart disease and hypertension, which is high blood pressure, which is the precursor to heart disease, which is America's number one killer, a plant-based diet. The only thing proven to cure it. And it's funny because I met with this 
I had a consultation with this lady um, back a couple years ago. Severely overweight. She's about 5'2", 280 pounds. Severely overweight. And she had severe type 2 diabetes. And she said her doctor told her she would never get off her medication, ever. Um, And she told me the diet that her doctor prescribed, which medical doctors go through two hours of nutrition training at most during their, their medical doctors are not, they, they are not like, um, they don't understand. They're not, they're not qualified to, to prescribe like nutrition. I I do know that for a fact because I, I do cut a doctor and the doctor does say that he said that, um, when I have asked him about, um, nutritional stuff. He says that he doesn't know as much. He says he knows more from medicine. That's why they're medical, referring to medicine. So they right. know a lot as far as what the body does, how it reacts, but not as far as what nutrition reacts with the body. Exactly. So it's and very I, different. Yeah, and exactly. And as, a, as a, a professional nutrition coach certified with Precision Nutrition, this is this is my job. And this is what I coach my clients on on a daily basis. And so I, I had a, you know, with this lady, she said her, the diet that her doctor prescribed her in the morning was like three eggs. And, you know, eggs it was like a couple, two eggs and three small sausages for breakfast. It was like a cold cut sandwich for lunch. And then it was like beef or like steak or chicken for dinner with, you know, some vegetables. And then her desserts, her, her snacks, she could have, um, um, it was like ice cream and peanut butter. That was her diet prescribed by her doctor to help manage her diabetes. The same doctor who also told her she would never get off her diabetic medicine for the rest of her life. She then goes on to tell me that her pastor also once had type 2 diabetes and he cured himself and is no longer on his medicine, on medications. And I said, how? She said, because he told her that he gave up all meat and went fully vegan. I kid you not, I write about this in my book, the, the Winner's Manual, Take Control of Your Life. That's what we were talking about. It's about taking control. That's what my book is titled, The Winner's Manual, Take Control of Your Life, winnersmanual.com, plantstrengthperformance.com. You can find it there. And that, that now, is- you, you already finished, this book is done? I published it on New Year's Day. Um, and my book is the curriculum of my coaching program, The Plant Strength Blueprint, which you don't have to be vegan or vegetarian to participate in. I uh, make that disclaimer right on the website. You're allowed to eat meat and animal products if you please. But I, as, as your coach, I only make vegan nutritional recommendations and I highly advise against the consumption of meat and animal protein for the benefit of your health, the animals and the environment. Um, and through my coaching, I'll show you exactly how you can maximize now, your diet. Now, is this on a book or is this PDF? So the book is, uh, and actually you can get a paperback copy if you like. You can uh, purchase an ebook copy on the website or you can purchase a, a, a bundle which has the uh, paperback, the ebook, and the uh, an eight-week training program. Or the Plant Strength Blueprint coaching program is the coaching program that I coach online. It's a six-month lifestyle transformation coaching program. The curriculum is based on my book, um, The Winner's Manual, and I also have my second book written, which is not published yet, The Winner's Manual 2. You get free copies of both um, in it. We got phase one is based on book one, The Winner's Manual 1, Take Control of Your Life, and phase one is called Take Control, and then phase two, the second 12 weeks of the program, it's two 12-week phases, 24 weeks total, six months, uh, is based on The Winner's Manual 2, The Next Level. It's about the first phase is about learning all those tools to how to flexibly diet, intuitively eat, develop your mindset, set your goals, um, and then 
um, and then really build those healthy habits. And then phase two is about building off of those and taking things to the next level. It's a little bit gets more advanced into the how thing, how and why things are working based on the science, kind of a lot of the stuff that we touched on today, but even deeper than that. But, you know, the first phase is more based on the habits, the mindset, the diet, the flexible, flexible dieting, intuitively eating. Um, it's based on building all of that. Um, and then it, and then it, and then it goes into, into phase two from there. And it's like, um, it's, it's just, I treat it like a college course. It's about, it's a learning experience. I have weekly homework assignments, graded quizzes, exams. Um, you get a full, you get a, a training programs that you can with that comes with a downloadable app on the Plant Strength Performance Coaching Program. You can access from a web platform or um, like from the app on your phone. Download it on Apple, uh, the um, Apple Store or Google Play, and uh, you get a program updated every month. A couple different programs: a three-day gym-based program, a four-day gym-based program, and at-home program if you don't feel comfortable going to the gym or if you don't have a membership you just have to buy a $20 resistance band set and you can do all your workouts right at home um, and then everything all the coaching is done online via zoom uh, conference and call app it's where I do all the, the coaching sessions and uh, and then you know your programs will be updated monthly and uh, full video exercise library uh, all exercises are of me film so it's basically like I'm there coaching you you just pull it up hey how do I do a resistance band chest press you click on the video right there and i'll be demonstrating as if i'm right there for you almost 450 exercises in the library um you know it's it's good that you do that and i'll tell you why that that you're doing what you're doing because i'm one who doesn't like to go to the gym yeah i and and the reason why i don't like going to the gym is because uh, honestly there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are dressed not in the most appropriate way sometimes at the gym. Yeah, yeah, and it's like because they're trying for they're going there for attention. They're hoping some guy picks them up or vice versa, or a guy you know a girl picks up a guy. You know both ways. And I myself do not like going to those places because I'm not the strongest in willpower. I guess you could say because I see that somebody comes up and it's so hard for you to say no to a beautiful girl that's going to so I don't put myself in those scenarios so I work out at home I do like the pull-ups the push-ups curls stretches um, you know sparring lots of calisthenics that's all you need yeah I do a lot of that stuff and sometimes I do have questions and I don't like looking at certain images because that's the person I am I've disciplined myself because and this is one of the podcasts that I'm actually going to be talking about breaking down in a deep 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 sense I'm just collectively putting it together it's about the destruction behind pornography yeah and a lot of people don't know about this countries are starting to become aware of this now and we've been telling our children and kids in school masturbate look at pornography do all this but i'm, I'm about to break this down now, in a way. yeah i'm interested in hearing about that so with all this uh I, I stay away from certain things so the fact that you're doing that is actually like i'm telling you there's a big group of people who who don't want to see certain or don't are, are don't maybe don't want to go to the gym for or even reasons. just just intimidated and just intimidated. They just don't like like you know this or maybe they feel people. fat you know because exactly. I, I was like that you feel when, uncomfortable yeah there was times and where i was overweight and i was like oh, i felt like uncomfortable working out in front of people because they would have looked at me and been like oh that's that fat guy trying to work out and now i'm more comfortable and like now right. i'll do push-ups right in the middle of the 
the waiting room. Yeah. I just smack out push-ups. Yeah. Shadow box a little bit, spar, you know, for like 10, 5, 10 minutes real quick. And then I stop back just to get my heart rate going. And then yeah. I'll pull back and I'll cut some hair. But it's, it's good just, that you do that. Keep doing that and keep no, putting up everything. Yeah, every, somebody yeah. looks over and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this one. Or they send you a message, post up a video on how to do that. Exactly. One, you know, and that's, continue doing that. And that's, and that's why I want it. And that's, what, you know, that's why I created this coaching program. Because, again, like, I, wa- I want to teach people. You know, my goal is by the end of the coaching program, you have learned so much and you feel and you've made such a transformation in your life. All of my clients who have finished the program already, every single one of them has lost 20 to 30 or more pounds over the course of the program. Now, this program isn't just for people who want to lose weight. I, I uh, you know, one of the new, my new clients that I just took on, he's trying to gain weight. It's, you know, it's been the opposite for him. He's been really skinny and he's they've had a hard time putting on muscle. It's the same thing. It's whatever your goals are and that that the goal of the of the program is to teach you everything you need to know to get in the shape that you want to be in and then stay in that shape for the rest of your life build those healthy habits you know i provide a flexible dieting tip sheet which comes you know complete with full list of your best nutrient dense sources categorized by their main macronutrient plant best plant protein sources carbohydrates fruits veggies leafy greens empty calories the ones you want to minimize in your diet you don't have to eliminate but you want to minimize um you know sample meal plan seven-day sample meal plan it's all fully vegan with a uh, corresponding recipe book and grocery list so you you know that's just a sample again i teach flexible dieting learning how to build a well-balanced diet around that includes all of your favorite foods obviously i'm going to you know i i, I recommend that you avoid meat and animal, pro- animal protein because for your own health but also the animals and the environment again if you, if you consume it it's your choice um but i'll show you how you don't need it and you can maximize your health. Um, and, you know, and I, I, I provide all of this. And, and the reason I went online with my coaching is because I can provide so much to so many people everywhere in the world. And, again, my goal is to teach as much as I can. So my, by the end of the six months, you will feel so confident that you can go off and do this on your own. Most of my clients that I've been working with, I've been working with for a long time because they like working with me. We build a great relationship. I'm friends with them all. I'll go out to eat with them. I'll hang out with them. Um, and it's just, you know, they like that accountability, having someone to check in with. But again, my goal is that by the end of the six months, you can go off on your own and we'll never have to work together again. And you will stay in your, your, your best shape for the rest of your life. And even if you fall out, you kind of fall off, whatever kind of is going on in your life at the, at, at, at the time, which, which happens, you know, we have different events that happen in our lives that, and we can't make our health and fitness a priority. But you'll, it'll be so easy for you to get it back because you'll be armed with all the tools necessary and the knowledge, the now, why. Now, where, where can you, you know, to kind of close up the podcast, where can you find you? Like, what's your website? Same, you already said it earlier, but say the website, say what other social media that your business is located on uh, so then people could check you out when they, when they want this. Definitely, yes. So uh, our website is plantstrengthperformance.com. Our company is Plant Strength Performance. Everything is linked there on the website. Um, we also have our Plant Strength Performance Instagram page and our YouTube channel, which we are just starting up on YouTube. But then my pages as well, which I have mainly been posting to, uh, my social name is Bobby Physique, P-H. Y S I Q U E Bobby Physique B O B B Y P H Y S I Q U E at Bobby Physique. You find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, 
TikTok, the new platform that's upcoming right now, um, Twitter, and yeah, everything else is linked from there. But again, if you if you are interested in possibly working with me, you can apply for a free coaching call right on my website. And during that call, really, it's just the opportunity for us to talk and determine if we are the best fit for each other, both me as a coach for you or you know we are looking to take on other coaches in the future um and just as plan sharing performance if we are the best fit for you and if you are the best fit for us and if not then i'll point you in the right direction and give you my best tips and advice and where to go from there but then if you are um i'll invite you into the program and and we'll take the next steps and you'll get like started on taking control of your life that is my goal that's just what i want to see in people is to Everyone has the power within them. Everyone has the power within them to be great. And it's my job to not only help you realize that power within yourself, but then once you realize that, then help you to realize your goals. That's my job as the coach. And I love what I do. Now, now, Marcus, say where, say where you're at in case if somebody you know, knows you and has questions or... You know how to get in contact with you to get deeper into this so where are you located at yeah yeah so okay um you can find me on instagram at uh, marcus j everett um at marcus j everett um and also my email is just marcus at plantstrengthperformance.com same um, thing bobby same at plantstrengthperformance.com yeah yep. same platform um i have access to all the other platforms as well. So at plantshrinkperformance.com on um, Instagram and also there's the just, Facebook. Just at Plant Shrink Performance. Just yeah. at Plant, exactly. Just at Plant Shrink Performance. And then there's also the uh, Facebook community page. Um, yep. which Plant is Strength. Yeah, it's a free community uh, Facebook group, Plant Strength Community. Uh, all members, all people are welcome to join that and just constantly posting free educational content as well as all the stuff that I post for free on my social media. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, so before we kind of say goodbye, I want to give some shout outs to a few different countries because this is like, Definitely. this is so cool. All of you who are listening, uh, honestly, I'm I'm happy to hear that it's all being shared because I, I was telling you both that I started this off just with um, sharing this to 20 people and then it just grew. So we, we have listeners in Egypt, shout out to Egypt, whoever is listening out there, you know, there's been like a few 300 that have listened uh, France, uh, Germany, uh, Spain, London. Um, there's been Turks and Caicos. One teacher did a um, a class on the um, podcast of the difference between romance and love, uh, and, and that kick started a whole following out there. Hawaii, Canada. Um, and if there's any other countries out there that are listening, shout out to all you guys. Continue to share the podcast, not for, um, not for any attention on my part. Um, I, I have heard a lot of people have told me that they've looked at uh, making decisions or time management or eating with their family. Some some uh, making clients more of a priority. Yeah, you know, putting children and the, the, the moment of dinner time a priority in their life or uh, taking love and not looking at it from a romantic form. There's so many of you that have come up to me and said, I broke up with my girlfriend because I was caught up in a romanticism and I didn't love her. I was just using her. And that was like, to me, that is gold. And, and that's why I continue this podcast. And, and some of you have come up to me and said, do more, do more. I'm only going to do... Th- 
uh, podcasts if I feel that they're right and that it's something that people should hear. Like what you just did, I'm so happy we just did this because it's a based on health. And I was looking for somebody with health, but I was like, who, who do I get on there? You flowed right into this. I'll, be, I'll tell you this. People, I've either given them like a little bit of a, like a wine or something to kind of calm down, you know, so smooth, soothe themselves or um, maybe something to kind of pick up to the caffeine, a little coffee to get them, you know, thinking a little bit, stimulates their brain. And uh, some people I've had to talk with them for like half hour to get them used to the mic and you just like right into it, man, which is real cool. And you gave everything very well put. Um, and I'm happy. I learned a lot of things too. Like I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to the same podcast, but, uh, shout out to everybody who's listening to this. Please check out this, uh, plant based performance, plant strength, plants, plant strength, performance.com plant strength, performance.com. You got it. Yeah. And, and, and check them out really. Uh, I I, I like how you did everything. I really do. I like how you're doing the whole app thing so they can work out at home. Um, hopefully this works out for you guys i hope i hope that in in like a few months we can get back together or maybe a year from now six months from now whatever it may be and just see maybe where you've gone in the last you know in the time span i I hope that this grows for you guys i really do i always appreciate that i always wish the best on people um i used to be a kind of person that you know never would like to see other people succeed because you know i always say we're okay with someone's success until it exceeds our own Mm -hmm. yeah and you know, I've learned to let that mindset go. That was a subconscious really, mindset. And, and when you look at it, the most successful people in this world, they celebrate other successes. Yes, yes. I look at people who are more successful than me, than me and it motivates me. Yeah, yeah. And and, 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 and I, I hope the best for you. I really do. I really hope that you guys get everything. Appreciate that. And you guys grow and continue to grow from health to your mindset to the way you look at life. Right now... You know, I, I, I have five kids and I'm a sixth one on the way. Mm. And Congratulations. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm congrats. very, very open to many different things. With each kid, uh, I, I become more compassionate. I sympathize more. I empathize more with people. I grow with myself. My children keep me young. They keep That's me loving. That's what it's about, compassion and yeah. empathy. And, and, and when you get your you, the girl that you're looking for, or I'm guessing both of you guys are single, no, actually, I have okay. a girlfriend. He's got a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been single for the last couple of years because because of that. And, that, and this is another thing that we could we could sit and have a, another podcast talk on just relationships in general. I've been single for the last two years, two over you know, over two years now, because I've been fully focused on myself and I've been in a relationship with myself. And yes, of course, I, I've been dating every now and you know here and there. I haven't been committed to anybody because I haven't found somebody that I. That, that I want to settle down with. And I'm not going to just settle just to be in a relationship. I'm so comfortable being alone and on and that's, my own. That's, that's great. Because I'm, I've worked, I've done the internal work to work on myself. Yeah. And I don't, I don't need anybody else. And that's not what anybody, you, don't, you shouldn't need to be in a relationship. You should want to be with your partner. Absolutely. Because you love them and you care about them and you both want each other in your lives. But you don't need each other. If you're at a place of neediness, that's where relationships go south. It just it, it, that's the destruction waiting to happen. But real quick, can I just throw a shout out to my girl? Go go go! Do it. <laughs> hey, you want to shout baby. out somebody too? Uh, I love you. I know she living in Missouri right now, so she's a few miles away. But um, she's been fighting for me from the jump. So 
That's that's my girl right there. Nice. Um, How about you? You want to shout out to anybody? I, yeah, I just want to shout out to shout out to my mom and to uh, my brother, um, and, and of course shout out shout out to my dad. Um, yeah. You know. And of course to my wife. She always yeah. listens to this man. She, she'll say like little critiques, little things here and there, which I hate, but they make me. A better person, so and that's and that's exactly. And I, I'm re, I'm I thank you for this opportunity to be on this podcast well, because you, it Mark. seems just like exactly what you're trying to do is you're 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 trying to provide as much value as you can to your audience, and you're trying to spread love and compassion and thought and understanding and just help help people along their journeys because we're all on our own journeys for self growth and enlightenment and. Um, it's like it's it's really refreshing oh yeah I, I and, and and even more because all these podcasts now are like the the craziest things like guys and girls talking about what they did last night getting drunk and then what it does is it puts a thought in a young person's mind that, that they had fun they and i want to do that and then they go and do that and then these people aren't showing how destructive their lives are the the day after they're showing those little snippets of fun that they had so the young mind looks at that and listens to that and says i want that and they go and live it and then their lives get destroyed and then they lead to unhealthy lives and then it leads to depression and then you know because now you thought that that was going to make you happy and it doesn't make you happy and now you're depressed because what you thought to be true was a lie and now you've lived the year of a lie and you can't accept that the last year of your life was lived in a lie so you entered depression mm-hmm. i mean it's it's so destructive this is why i want to do the podcast and i was so scared and when i started it and now i'm so happy because i hear so many people coming up to me telling me listen man that was so good uh uh, people will message me. They'll say, "Listen, like I, I did this, 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 and that, and I'm doing so much better." And That's you know, amazing. And I, I love this, so I, I'm so happy. So I'm happy for you guys. Thank like, you. So thank you. We'll cut this off here, man. Yeah. Marcus, you connect me with this yeah, no doubt. wonderful man here. So. No doubt. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. Gosh, I really yeah. do. All right? So All right, guys. So take again, care, Bob, everybody. Bobby, Bobby Lynch, PlantStrengthPerformance.com. Thank you, guys. Appreciate right. y'all. Take care.